Welcome to the WFNY Cornercast, a podcast that takes an in-depth look at the Cleveland Guardians baseball team and farm system. Presented to you by the WaitingForNextYear.com network of podcasts. Here are Gerbs, Mitch, and Ethan. Hello and welcome to the WFNY Cornercast brought to you by Evergreen Podcast Network and part of the Waiting for Next Year community. I'm your host, Joe Gerbs Gerberry, and I am joined by just Dr. Mitch tonight. Uh, Ethan is uh, with some friends. He was, uh, I know he was looking forward to a Tanner Bybee start tonight, but that got moved to tomorrow. But uh, Mitch, we had real, actual, real life real life games this week that we got to watch them maybe uh if you had bally or if you didn't have bally i know you're in new york so yes if you had if you have mlb.tv you're out of the uh blackout zone yes i I don't get to watch yankees or mets game that's a uh that's a small price to pay for getting to watch the guardians on mlb tv um i will say it it wasn't just a uh streaming barrier for many but also just a time barrier starting Yes. on the west coast was kind of a pain and if you know kind of kind of got got a little screwed there but uh you know it's over the west coast trip's over and we're ready to start these times you know these games at normal hours right it's just so it was so weird to me to think of like somebody brought up to me that the giants were playing in new york yeah but cleveland was playing might have been me might have been because i went to a watch party for the opening day nice. for the yankees nice. No, it was somebody. It was somebody I worked with, but it was like uh, I'm like, this is a like, why are we doing this West Coast stuff? Like, why are we starting out on the West Coast? There's yeah, why 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 do Giants fans skip work to watch their team at 10 a.m. and we have to stay up? Yeah, yeah. Oh well, you you know, we all stayed up anyway. I don't know if you didn't. You know what? Guess what? There's like 155 games left. So right. So yeah, when it came to Wednesday, I was like. Every like the next two four o'clock, man, we're good. This is great. <laughs> so, all right. Well, if you are excited about opening uh, the well, not opening day, uh, the home opener tomorrow, uh, you can go to breakingtea.com backslash wfny and grab uh, some new Cleveland gear for yourself. Uh, I did purchase the land names shirt. Yeah. I arrived this morning. Uh, so I have not had a chance to put it on today. I was, but, I was uh, just buying the uh, Dr. Change shirt, the yeah. Eli Morgan. That's a pretty yes. good one. That's a pretty good one. Yeah. But yeah, there's a whole bunch on breakingtea.com backslash WFNY. Check that out and uh, get yourself some gear if you're going out to the uh, ballpark this weekend. So Yeah, dress the part. You've got to have right. Guardians, Guardians red and blue. Guardians gear out yeah. there. So we're a fan of alliteration here. All right. Speaking of, we're going to do news and notes. As I mentioned, uh, they real life games. Yeah. The guards were five and two on the season so far. Uh, they went three and one against Seattle. They dropped the opener and then won three straight. And then uh, two and one against Oakland. Um, they sure did. They sure did. Sure. Uh, Although, again, not many people probably saw it. So, right. I can tell you. I think that's, every, that's every morning I would wake up and be like, hey, Care, the guards won. She's like, cool, it's 5 a.m. Why are you telling me? Yeah, no, I we could just read the box score. Miles <laughs> draw. 
five plate appearances, three at bats, two walks. Right. Miles Straw on base machine. Yes. Yes. That's coming later. We'll certainly talk about that. Yes. Uh, but the, yeah, it's it was a good uh, good week of baseball. If you are a guards fan, uh, there was two extra innings games that they both three. won. Three. three extra innings games. Mm-hmm. There was the third one. Yeah, uh, no, the last one in Seattle, and they played two in Oakland. Gotcha. But, uh, they won all three. They did. They they are undefeated in extra innings games. But yeah, it's it's been a mixed bag. Um, like off like. The offense has been good. The ones that have been good on the offense have been good. The starting and the starting pitchers have that have been good haven't been getting wins. So it's like it, it's a very uh, as I said mixed bag. I have yeah. it on my on the rundown. I put pitcher wins are stupid. Yeah, there is actually only one. The team is the team is five and two, and only one starting pitcher has a win to his credit. And it was Eric Zavale who threw uh, seven innings. Yeah, luckily, so, I think the only people who care about pitcher wins now are fantasy players. So yes, which that's I think one of two of us, right? You're a big fantasy guy. I am. I am in, I think, five leagues. Uh, I have tried quitting them. Um, I have tried putting some down, and just keep coming back. Yeah, no, that is a lot of leagues. That is a huge commitment, but good for you. Yeah, you know, I figure if I'm just doing it, I might as well do it. So. Yeah, yeah, no, I respect it. Go, go big or go home. But, uh, yeah. but yeah, as you pointed out, uh, we got some good starting pitching, even if the, um, you know, even if the numbers don't show it, the win loss numbers at least. Um, but you know, the reason that they only got one win as a starting rotation is because um, the bullpen has been a little shaky. It has not been as solid as it was last year, for sure. Not so far. It's easy to, you know. Usually when we do this podcast, we look at how did they do the past week? And we always think like, oh, this guy's hot. This guy looks like maybe he's coming out of it. This guy, oh, you know, maybe he, he peaked and he's coming down off this this high. That's how we usually think about these things. But with this opening, uh, you know, this opening week, it's easy to get caught up in, oh, look at this guy. This is reaffirming what we thought all offseason or, oh, this isn't working out so well. And I think you know, before we get into this, I urge people to 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 really think about this as just a week of baseball, like any other week of baseball. Yes. Don't make your, as I will later on, don't make these crazy assumptions that this is how people are going to perform the whole season, yeah. that, uh, you know, that they are bound by what we've seen out of these seven games uh, and those kinds of things, you know, but now... Unless you thought those things before the season, in which case, absolutely right. right. Then the confirmation bias is a real thing. And if you wanted to be on it's, the, if you were, uh, but but also if you go the opposite way, where I keep just saying you're welcome anytime Miles Straw does anything, mm-hmm. since I was the one that was you're not on Miles Straw, so I was doing the reverse jinx. So I'm just saying you're, you're welcome. So you really were on Miles Straw. I wasn't really. I it was just I'm like. I, I I think I, I think I said to you guys in Discord, which is one drink. Um, if you if at the end of the year Miles Straw just says there was some podcast with this guy named Jerbs who told who said that I was going to get replaced, and it just drove me to beat the crap out of the ball. Like that's that's all I've ever wanted in my life. Yeah, so, I think that would be the the highlight of your uh, public sports 
career. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. So no doubt about it. So because this has just been a week and it is just the first week, uh, there were, and, and to this point, as you were saying, there are stuff that uh, I, I have our rundown list as stuff that we knew, stuff we thought, and then stuff we didn't know. Uh, so it was just thought it was a good way of saying like, hey, this is the stuff that we thought we were going to be good at. And then there was stuff that we knew the team was maybe going to do. And then stuff that we had no idea that happened uh, in this seven game stretch. So, yeah, uh, it's kind of a fun way to look at it. Yeah. You know, just like, uh, you know, we the stuff that we thought we knew is helped by the fact that the team is five and two and we thought the team was going to be good. You know, they had a right. good week. Right. Yeah. Yep. Which is, uh, you know, not something we can take for granted as Cleveland fans. They're traditionally slow starters. Absolutely. I think Ethan did the legwork on it, that there was only like one or two games, or one or two seasons rather, um, where they actually like competed and played well in April. The teams that actually usually did 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 good in April were teams that were awful. And, yeah, those, uh, those ACTA teams always crushed in April. I don't know if you remember, but there was one oh, year where I remember. They- yeah, thirty and fifteen through May, yeah. I think, and then finished below five hundred. Yeah. So the, you know, the actual years, the active years were rough. <laughs> yeah, with the Francota teams, it's usually slow and steady wins the race. So hopefully, this is slow and steady. It only gets better from here, guys. Yes. So <laughs> stuff we knew. Uh, this is the uh, trademark goes to I believe the Selby is Godcast and Zach Meisel, the Bloop Troop. I don't know if that's actually one of our... I don't think it came from us. I think Zach actually said that was from him. Uh, but we we knew the bloop trip was coming. Uh, this team is second has the second most hits in the league. They have also stolen the second most bases at, in the league in this first week. Uh, 10, on, 10 stolen bases to Baltimore's 11. I believe it was 64. And uh, I don't remember. I think it was maybe Tampa Bay was at the the most hits in the league at sixty nine. Um, we knew yeah. we knew the team was going to win or it was going to be a grinded out you know station to station. They're going to take advantage of the bigger bases and just run as much as they possibly could. Um, but it's just good to know that we that what we expected is still happening and and you know. We're seeing the rejuvenation of Miles Straw at the bottom of the lineup. We're seeing Stephen Kwan become this RBI machine, knocking in Miles Straw as often as he can. Um, and, and you know the the heads up plays are, are there for for this team on the offense. So. Yeah, no. And uh, one thing I will say is like, um, well, first I want to urge a little caution. The Guardians have played one more game than most teams, so leading the league in hits is easier when you have an extra game played um, when there's only been six games. Uh, but, yeah, even if, if you just sort by on-base percentage, the team is in the upper half of the league, and that's going against uh, Luis Castillo in one game and getting absolutely shut out and, and also getting shut down by some of the Oakland starting pitching, which was a little disappointing, although it didn't end up mattering that much. Um, yeah, no, 12th in, in the league and on base percentage in, uh, you know, in a early part of the season that's got a lot of high babips is nothing to sneeze at. And then the other thing that I want to point out is, is last week I urged some caution about leading, you know, really, really leaning into the heavy stolen base totals. 
I have to say that's looking like a mistake. Um, one thing, you know, we look at batting average and it's so based on batting average on balls in play. And we get, you know, even any real hitting stat, it, it takes a long time to balance out the process versus the results. But with the base running, we can say right now, like they are choosing, they are making conscious decisions to steal bases. And that is a lot stickier as we'd say in, in the like analytical communities. It's, it, it's easy to believe that they will keep doing it because we see them making the choice to run more and we know that that is the process and it's leading to these results it's it's very one-to-one um so yeah i think like that's really really exciting that the guardians are running the bases this well we already have like three or two or three memorable base running plays um and that's like not pretty you know that's not typical for a week of baseball i'd say right like that jose ramirez sacrifice fly uh, again, was that I, have it, I have it listed as under the J Ram is great, but yes, uh, hundred <laughs> percent. There was, there was no reason for Jose to be running out on that play. Yeah. Let's, let's go into that category. Yeah. So let's go. So I, as I have stuff, we knew J Ram is great. 140 uh, WRC plus two stolen bases on the, on the year already. Um, and then, as, as we mentioned, this crazy play. So if you did not see the the video or watch the game because it was late, um, Jose got to third base. I think it was a – was it a first to third situation that he got to third base? I can't remember. He might have – no, I don't remember. I'm not going to guess. Yeah, no, because it wouldn't have been because Bell was the one that was up behind him. Right, Bell I was the one with the fly ball. Yes. Uh, so Josh Bell – like inside out a fly ball to shallow, shallow left field. Seth Brown, left-hander, comes running in to catch the ball and is probably only about 50 feet from third base by the time that he actually catches the ball. Jose tags, races home, and forces the throw and and very narrowly makes the uh, makes it to and it was the that was it was it the game tying or that game tying or game winning score? uh it definitely was a close game when it happened again i'm, I'm trying to pull up yeah. the box score here but yeah no the other thing that merits um discussion about it was that the throw beat him and his slide was just incredible like it looked like he slid almost not quite 45 degrees away from the base but maybe 30 degrees away from the base zooming in arm out Tag never even got on him because he was just flying and and such a definitive slide. It was, you know, it was just textbook base running. Some of the best we've seen from, you know, the pound for pound best base runner on the team. I do think Miles Straw probably adds more value on the bases overall just because he's faster. Um, but like just in terms of skills, you know, Jose Ramirez is the best I've ever seen at this kind of thing. Yeah, it was – I. I dubbed it a Willie Mays, Hayes, Lou Brown, like, hey, that was great. Don't ever do that again. <laughs> it just, it was in a very close game that might not have, it, it just, it, it was such a play that, like, watching it back and seeing it, I was like, I'm, I can't believe that it actually worked. Or I can't believe that they actually tried it and then it actually worked. Yeah. But, um, I mean, Looks like I have the complete game wrong. So forget I said that. But, um, yeah, it was just an incredible play. Yeah. yeah. 
which yeah, it, you just gotta watch it. We will. We might even. Do we have, do we have, I might link it in. I'll it. link it in this in the show notes. Okay. Okay. Link it in the show notes. Yes, there please do. But the other thing that Merritt's saying, and we can't probably can't go this long on every player, but you know, we haven't even seen the power really from Jose Ramirez yet. Um, we haven't seen him hit a home run yet. Um, we all had him as over thirty on the season, and he has still been this good. Um, yeah. No, we've got an exciting, exciting yeah, Jose is, Ramirez season. This is all him. just from like just getting on base, uh, yeah. you know, in, in not even the, like you said, the power, not even home runs, but there, there hasn't been many doubles. There's just been yeah. him he getting had a on that was, and getting over. Yeah. He had a triple. That was a gift from the right fielder. Yes. He had a double. That was a gift from, you know, I don't, I think it was uh, Oakland second baseman or shortstop hitting the ball on a pop-up into short center field. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, the power has not been there, and yet he's been excellent. So, exciting. The other, uh, the last stuff we knew that I had mentioned was the pitching has been good. And, and we did say, you know, at the top that some of it has not been, but um team has had the second most quality starts in the league. To Mitch's point, there has been one more game, but they, they've gotten some length out of their starters. They're fourth total in strikeouts on the season which is this team is not a like Bieber aside and with no Tristan McKenzie this is not a very strikeout heavy rotation um obviously class a is is big at uh, at the uh the punch out at the back end of the bullpen but um for this many strikeouts this early in the season with without Tristan with Bieber starting, he does have two games, but I don't know. He hasn't had the crazy high numbers that he has previous seasons. But um, just interesting to see that the the pitching has been this good thus far. Um, and, and we knew that it was going to be decent. I don't know that we necessarily thought it was going to be uh, as lights out as, as some of it has been. But, you know. Although some of us predicted good things for one Aaron Savali, I will say. And it's not Farmer Ethan. Listen, Farmer Ethan. I was in. A, I. I. I don't want to say I was in on Savale. I was ambivalent about Savale. I don't. I don't. Uh, I. Neither predicted him to be replaced nor like Cy Young. So yeah, um, no one predicted Cy Young, but you know, I certainly thought last season was pretty fluky bad for him. So yeah. I just predicted regression to the mean in the positive direction. Um, and he was excellent in his first game. Um, he's definitely the best Cleveland starting pitcher so far. Has he been the best? Yeah. Been, he's been better than Bieber. Bieber's been great. Bieber's been awesome. And Savali also didn't strike anyone out. But, like, I don't know. Savali's game, when he is on, is so much about keeping people off, off balance and changing speeds and location and stuff. He's never going to get those gaudy strikeout numbers. Um, you know, and also, you're right. He's probably hasn't been better than Bieber. Um, but in terms of expectations, I would say he's been better than Bieber, if that makes sense. Sure. Like, yes. I think that he has, if you, if you go what you expected from Bieber and what you expected from Zavale, the margin is much higher for Zavale yeah. compared to Bieber. Even I. So, yeah. And I will tell he's not going to go seven innings every time, but no, definitely right. promising. All right. So stuff we thought was going to happen, uh, as we mentioned, uh, Miles Straw is good. Uh, two thirds of this 
podcast had Miles Straw, you know, uh, being being great. I had him being replaced by Will Brennan by midseason. But uh, a 517 OBP for Miles Straw, five stolen bases already. Uh, had I think he almost did he was it technically a home run steal on that game? Uh, he, he had a diving diving oh. catch in, in center field at the wall. A home run robbery, and I don't I don't technically know that it was a stolen home run, quote unquote. Uh, I'm using air fingers air quotes on the uh, audio medium, but um, it was a it was a catch that definitely saved some runs and saved that game for Cleveland um, on Wednesday. But uh, still, Miles Straw is is looking and making me look silly and making uh, the contract extension look well. We did we didn't uh, I, like I said we thought that he might turn it around this year. He is hitting the ball much better and pulling it to left field, uh, hitting with some power, um, obviously no home runs. I think somebody had some sort of a countdown of, I think it was codified baseball had like 217 days since Cleveland has had a home run from their center field position. That's pretty funny, but yeah, no, I mean, you know, he'll hit, yeah. he'll hit one this year. He will. Um, as long as he continues to pull the ball, you mentioned it. He, um, last year that was, we were all pounding the table saying, Oh, Miles straw, it's a big problem. He's just hitting the ball the opposite way. He's hitting the ball to center field. He's not pulling the ball. Um, and it really led to that four-month-long slump that was just awful and people calling for, uh, you know, replacements. <clears throat> um, and obviously, he's not going to continue to hit for a 421 BABIP. Um, that's going to go down even in his best seasons. It's more in, like, the 330, 340 range. Um, so yeah, this is not going to continue at this pace, but what's really promising is he continues to, or even improved so far in this very short season, his, uh, discipline. He's not chasing as he never does. He's swinging in the zone. He's making contact and he's making contact all fields and he's running the bases when he gets on base. And that's exactly, and he's playing a hell of a center field, just like you said. And that's what we, that's exactly what we wanted out of Miles Straw. It's it's been as good as we could have thought it, it was going to be for Miles Straw. Yeah. That's a that is a good sign for Cleveland because again, like as I mentioned, that that his like pseudo leadoff turns Quan into a run producer more than he was last year, where he was he had he Quan had to take on so much more of the table setting for Ahmed and Jose and Naylor. Whereas now he's able to pick and choose a little bit more on the even more he's able to be more patient at the bat because he's got Miles Shaw on the base more often than he's not been, uh, and you know pressuring pitchers, pressuring the catcher, and allowing Quan to get good pitches. So yeah, no doubt about it. I mean, yeah, I mean, obviously RBIs are just a product of having guys on base. And when you have Miles Straw, who is getting on base over half the time, stealing quite often, uh, you're going to be in a great position to just like put the bat on the ball, serve the ball over the left, or, you know, over the shortstop's head. Like we've seen Stephen Kwan do a million times. Um, right. Yeah. It's a great thing for this offense is Miles Straw Absolutely. getting on base.
Bruce Martin, host of Pit Pass Indy. Each week, I go behind the scenes of the NTT IndyCar Series and introduce our listeners to the biggest stars of IndyCar, which features the Indianapolis 500 as its cornerstone event. The men and women that compete in IndyCar may be the bravest athletes in all of sport as danger lurks around every corner. They are able to look danger in the eye without flinching. That is why the NTT IndyCar Series features the best racing on the planet. Join me every week as we talk to the stars of IndyCar, including the legends of the Indianapolis 500 on Pit Pass Indy from Evergreen Podcast. Uh, another stuff we thought might happen, uh, Mike Zanina was going to hit, and hit he has. It's been nice to have a offensive catcher in Cleveland. Uh, 184 WRC plus, 1.017 OPS on the season for Mike Zanino in this week. Uh, he has had one home run and a couple of doubles. I think, was it a couple or is it uh, three or there's, four? There's two doubles and a homer. Is it just two? Yeah. I thought so. Um, yeah, no. I mean, yeah. with Mike Zanino, it was always about, you know, it was like the boomer bust, you know, he – He's had seasons where he he crushes. He has seasons where he really, really fumbles at the plate. And it was always a question of what Mike Zunino we're going to get. And obviously, again, it's been very little time. Um, he's a strikeout machine and, and so far hasn't been striking out that much. So, you know, can definitely expect those whiff numbers to go up. But, no, it's, it's good to see him looking pretty healthy. Um, offensively, we'll talk about his defense, I think, in a little bit. Um, but... It's awesome. I don't know if you are you familiar with the thoracic outlet syndrome that he had, Gerbs? I do. I'm I'm going to say no. I was going to try. I I was. I know it was mostly a pitching a pitching uh, surgery, and from what I thought it was, it was it was a clot that gets removed from your shoulder. Is what I thought it was, but I'm obviously probably wrong. Yeah, it's so. interesting. It's um. So sometimes it can be a problem with your neck muscles, and maybe that's what it is in, in baseball players. Maybe catching, you have to crane your neck or something like that. But most of the time, at least in the public, when you have a thoracic outlet syndrome, it's because you have an extra rib coming off of this for your neck, and it gets it impinges upon nerves that, that go into your arm. So um, that sounds really uncomfortable, and, you know, yes. it's, it could be something that affects someone over the course of – a long period of time, you get it fixed and feel great. Um, you know, hopefully that's what we're seeing. Uh, that'd be pretty cool if he just like got way better than he was. Um, obviously, I don't expect him to to do like the 134 WRC plus with 30 plus homers. Um, although that'd be sick. Um, but just like feeling good, feeling healthy, like adding length to this lineup, not being an automatic out behind the plate is just like a luxury that we haven't had in Cleveland in quite a while. Yeah. Being able to slot the catcher in above eight or nine is something that's really great because then you also have that added bonus of, you know, the, with the team ca- carrying three catchers, you can have that Will Brennan or Gabe Arias spot come up a little bit earlier in the lineup. And it's, it's nice to, to have that. Yeah. So, Hopefully we get used to it with the, the advent of, of one bone nailer. That'd be yeah. nice. Yeah, maybe maybe um, he'll even bat higher than seventh or eighth. Maybe he'll bat fifth. Who knows? Well, speaking of spots in the lineup, 
uh, stuff we thought might happen. Uh, I have written down uh, Andres Jimenez is going to make us want him higher in the lineup. Um, I banged this drum pretty pretty hard last week on the podcast that I was wanting Andres to hit, hitting possibly second or third. Um, obviously, third is Jose's spot, but in a in, in a world where you can make your own lineup, I feel like Jose is a pretty good two hitter behind Quan. But anyway, I digress. Andres has been good this week. Uh, he's the second highest average on the team, a 142 WRC plus. Uh, cranked a moon shot, rainbow Jose home run, uh, and stole a base this season. Um, I don't get to, I, I, on Wednesday, I was watching the game with my wife. I, I Again, as we mentioned, it's been late night games, but I had the uh, the TV on and ran running on Wednesday. And I was explaining to her, she, she is a very big or was a very big uh, Frankie Lindor fan. Um, and so when the trade happened, it was, it soured her a, a, a little just because she didn't know the whole, you know, enjoy him and all that kind of things. When I told her that Andres was a, the byproduct of the Lindor trade, it did perk her up a little bit and he, you know, he's going to be here for a while and everything. So it was, it's nice to see a, a him continue from last year, uh, at least the, again, it's been a week, but just it's been a good week for him. Yeah, so that's all. It it's been a week, but you know it's really nice as fans to see this guy that the team invests in, especially uh, when we as a fan base are so uh, kind of thirsty for for the the ownership group to invest money in the team. So to see them invest in a player like Andres Jimenez and to see him start off the season so strong is really reassuring, and that's how you know this team is going to win back fans. Uh, who left it because of the stinginess of the owner is, Hey, look at this guy. We just invested in him and uh, he's awesome. And he's going to be here for seven or eight years. Um, yes. Yeah. So that, that is, that is amazing. Um, yeah. You know, it's funny again, the small sample theater, um, the, the stats have not liked his defense so far this year. And it, looking at defensive stats in six games is, is ridiculous. It, it, it doesn't matter. But it's just kind of funny, um, you know. It's just kind of an eye opener. It's just like how I, say, I don't know that the eye test would necessarily bear that out. I feel like watching him play, I I haven't seen any like bad plays. Yeah, and he I've seen more. You know, he had a, a really good rangey stop to his uh, to his left in Wednesday's game because um, again it was one of those points where I'm like, oh hey, that's care. That's the guy that they signed long-term, yeah. they sh- you know, and um, so it was, like I said, it, anecdotal and the eye test is whatever, but you know, like you said, it's a week of defensive stats, which are meaningless. We have, yeah. we have, we have mentioned before that if you, if you, it takes almost three years for any kind of normalization for defensive stats, looking at them year to year is, is not the best idea. And especially going after just a week is, you know, you're just, looking at noise yeah no 100 and it also could you know this is actually an interesting point i'm not sure how this would work necessarily but it could uh partially be uh just because the the systems haven't really like fixed or figured out how to adjust for the lack of splits or the lack of shifting like 
there were a few pop yeah. flies in short right field that maybe last year would have been really easy plays for a second baseman that this year are very difficult for a second baseman. We've seen Andres Jimenez, you know, miss a couple of, of fly balls going backwards. Um, so that could be part of it too, but it also, uh, it's noise. It's, it doesn't, it doesn't even deserve this much, uh, the word being spilled for it. So I'm just going to stop talking about it. <laughs> we also have seen Oscar Gonzalez look almost lost in right field. Uh, so that doesn't help the, the, the fly balls falling down that, you know, Andres was maybe responsible for last year that Oscar kind of let him have last year that he's supposed to be making more of a play on this year. Who knows? That's a good point. Anyway. So, okay. Moving on to stuff we didn't know. Uh, one thing, as you mentioned, uh, we knew Mike Zanino was going to hit, or at least we had the idea. Uh, I don't think we thought that he was going to be this bad defensively. Um, Specifically already, uh, at blocking balls, right? Yes. That's the, that's the biggest thing. It, He's been calling a decent game. He's been, you know, uh, doing well in that yeah, he's regard. Been framing, the framing well. things. Yeah. Right. He just, yeah, but um, just with this curveball heavy pitching, you know, staff. Um, we've seen several wild pitches get by that have been costly. I mean, the loss in Oakland is the biggest one, but there have been what seven already? Is that what you have written? Seven, seven wild pitches on the season. Um, I, not all of those are, can necessarily be credited to Zanino, but the overwhelming majority probably are. I don't know how many game, how many Gallagher or uh, Mabry's Valeria have have had themselves. That's, that's I did not. Look that's that the up. team Mabry's number. Mabry's. Gotcha. That's the the seven is the team yeah. number. So he um, has but yeah, it, all seven. Awesome. Cool. So hey, we were giving. We were giving him more credit than he yeah. deserved. Don't don't do Cam Gallagher and Mabry's Valoria dirty like that, Gers. <laughs> what? How dare I get on Mabry's yeah. Valoria? Big, he's been big, he's been fine. big power hitter. Cam Gallagher two run double to to break open the game or to start the a, spring of the it game. It was a it was a big uh, it was a big double. Yeah, for him, that was so. nice off the wall. Thought that was gone. Yeah, I really thought it was a homer. Uh, but anyway, Cam Gallagher, I digress. Great. Yeah, every, that's the stuff everyone wants to hear. Right. Uh, yes, Zanino has looked rough behind the plate, def- blocking pitches. Uh, he looks at – if his nickname is Big Z, he has definitely uh, earned it. There because he's asleep the, when he's trying to block balls? He's just, he's just asleep down oh, there. Oh, no. Not the, the, the feet from uh, – the Zadrunis Agalskis feet have just not been working for oh, him. Man. There, so the parallels. It's a deep pull. Yeah. No, I love Big Z. I love Big Z, the basketball player. Big Z, Big Z, Big Z was a really great basketball yeah. player. Yeah, I know. This I, is a baseball player. We, it's kind of weird. Mike Zanino is just not what we're used to as Guardians fans, as Guardians followers, um, because he is a non-zero at the plate, and he also is not blocking the ball well, which we're spoiled. We've seen a lot of years of Roberto yes. Perez and Austin Hedges and Jan Gomes getting down on all on their knees and and getting in the way of of errant curveballs um, that, you know, Zunio hasn't been able to do so far, but, you know, it's early. Hopefully he, he, he does have a propensity to allow these in his career. Um, you know, this is not exactly a shock, but he's not going to allow this many. I mean, he can't like, that would be the most wild pitches like 
any catcher's ever allowed ever. I have to think. I'm you know I'm just gonna go out on a ledge and say that if he continued at this pace and ended up with like 180 wild pitches, that would be a record. That would be a you know you you'd think he would have gotten pulled by that point. There's a certain there's a certain like Gary Sanchez like ceiling there where you're like this is too much. You you need to go away. Yeah, no, you should keep talking so I can figure out what the single season record for wild pitches is. He de- I he would have to be. I'm just trying to think of what his offensive game would have to look like to allow that many wild yeah. pitches. No, he'd have to be like like it, he'd have he'd ha- it'd have to be an MVP like 300 average 35 home runs right like just absolutely nailing at, at this like, point you're just DHing him right and that's what you're, you're moving him out you're moving him out of the yeah way. no there's no yeah i don't think there's a possible avenue for him allowing that many wild pitches um that would be just like i don't know how many runs that would be too i'm kind of curious like how many <laughs> okay the record for most wild pitches allowed in a single season is Johnny Edwards in 1970 for Houston, Pat Borders in 1993 for Toronto, and the surprise name in 2021, Salvador Perez, 69 wild pitches allowed. Bad job, Salvador Perez. So it's a nice number. Yeah, no, it's very nice. Nice work, I guess. Also, <laughs> also I'm totally fine with besmirching. Salvador Perez's name. Salvi, man, what the what happened, Sal? Yeah, no, I thought I thought you had a good reputation as a defensive catcher, Sal. Right, there's a there's a reason MJ Melendez is breathing under. I neck. guess so. I guess so. But yeah, no, I don't think he's gonna break the record. Um, although, no. you know, he wouldn't have to go at that high of a pace to to beat sixty nine. We'll see what happens. I don't. Oh man, I don't want to. He's already a tenth of the way there. Yeah, <laughs> that's pretty. Horrible. That's not great. That's pretty horrible. That's not. That's, that's not good. Uh, all right, let's let's get off of Mike Zanino. Move on to a good one. This is the stuff we didn't think would happen. That Hunter Gaddis would look good. Yeah, uh, going off of going off of what we saw from last year, where he was throwing batting practice to Houston and Chicago, uh, two seventy nine FIP. Uh, held Oakland to one hit uh, in his start on Wednesday. Um, yes, it is Oakland, but there are there are major league hitters that are actual major league hitters on that lineup. Yeah, in that lineup rather, and he he went seven uh, against uh, Oakland in a major league and, game. And that's uh, that's in a major league game and allowed one hit. It's it can't be it can't be exaggerated. Hunter guys has been good to decent and. Uh, or decent to good, rather, and um, has, has looked has looked like he earned the rotation spot after McKenzie went down. Yeah, no, I mean, just kudos to that guy who thought he was going to be in the bullpen this year. I mean, we said it last week too. You just got to throw out the the twenty twenty two stats, um, but even still, you know, getting this guy, you know, he's kind of in this Adam Plutko role of you know, guy who can go in and out of the bullpen or maybe up and down in the minors and, you know, just fill that spot when, when you need him. So to see him do that. Um, and also that guy traditionally doesn't have the kind of stuff that Gaddis has. I mean, Gaddis throws 94, 95. He's got that wicked change up. He's, he's got four decent ish pitches. 
Um, yeah. So yeah, no, it's a it was a pleasant surprise to see him. I think there are some um, some folks, some some negative folks who might say something along the lines of like, "Oh, Hunter Gaddis is pitching. Yes, we lose tonight." Um, and hopefully, he quieted those haters. Yeah, I, it's not an automatic out. You know, it's not an automatic loss column. You know, that we reserve that for uh, we reserve that for please act. Uh, at this yes. point in time, so um, we love you, Zach. Please, Zach. <laughs> Do we? we? As a human, sure. Um, we respect sure. you as a human, Zach. Please, Zach. We respect you as a human. So, uh, all right, let's go to our last. I actually, I have two on this last one for stuff we didn't know that was going to happen. Uh, stuff we didn't know was going to happen. Josh Bell and Ahmed Rosario would make us question why they are here, which is uh, a really big over-exaggeration. Obviously, like I said, these are slow starts. And it has been shown, um, I meant to look it up, that uh, Ahmed, I have seen somewhere on Twitter, I don't know if it got posted in our Discord or not, but he is a like notorious slow starter. Um, every year he seems to be... Um, just comes in and, and takes him a while to warm up. Um, I do not remember where it was and, and I cannot credit it, unfortunately. So I apologize for that. Uh, I will say somebody did post that Josh Bell also starts. He has started for three different teams and has had horrible slash lines uh, in his first month with those three teams. So this may be, may be expected. But um, both of them are just pounding the ball into the ground. Ahmed Rosario has a 60% ground ball percentage uh, of batted balls. Josh Bell is hitting 87.5 into the ground. Yeah, There's just no launch, no lift to them. Um, and we knew that. To your point. And we, we, knew, that? we And we know that's what those guys are doing when they're not going well, is they're just beating the ball into the ground. Yes. Yes. Um Ahmed does hit the ball hard. Uh, it was brought up that he had, a th- I think, three of the highest or hardest hit balls on Wednesday. It's all happened to be on the ground and, and ground outs. So he, he does make good contact. And this was, you know, anecdotally, I do remember this being a talking point that we brought up a lot last year of, hey, he's hitting the ball hard. It's just low and, and on the ground. Yeah. It, and it's a, it's a double play because Quan's on first, but um, so it's not it's not awful. But these slow starts, especially with what is coming behind Ahmed, we're we're getting to a point where he's you know not Plezak levels of hey you got to perform your out of year, but um, there there is some some noise being made behind him. Oh or will be made behind him with Rokio and Freeman feasibly ready. Arias is definitely ready for a, a more extensive look, possibly a shortstop. So. Yeah, it's just the last season for Ahmed Rosario regardless. But to your point, his career uh, WRC plus in March and April is 63, uh, which is by far the lowest of his career. Uh, Josh Bell's uh, monthly splits are a little less pronounced, but his 105 WRC plus in March and April is – uh, only higher than September, October, which is 103. Um, and he's at least at 113 every other month. So 
yeah, these guys are traditional slow starters and, you know, I'm not sure how much we can read into that. Probably some, um, they'll figure it out. It'll be fine. Things are going to get better. And, and to your, and and we've mentioned it before, Bella is at least walking. He's got a 20.7% walk rate. He does have a 24.1 K percent, uh, which is a little on the high side, but not compared to like league average. Yeah. League average is, 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 He's he's usually lower than that, but that's a little high for him. Yeah, exactly, uh, but not not it's high for him, but not bad comparatively yeah. to everybody. And you else. can tell the guy's got a discerning batting eye. The way he just you know goes about his at bats, it's just that he's not squaring the ball up right now. And given his career, uh, you know, trajectory and 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 um, the bona fides of being a all star first baseman. Uh, we, we can expect that he'll start hitting the ball with a little more authority going forward. For yeah. sure. Yeah, I don't. I don't. I don't have any. If you if you were going like fear rankings on these guys, I'm I'm giving Ahmed like a five maybe, but a Bell like a three. For for what? Like fear rankings. Oh. Like worried this is going to carry over. Oh, okay. Yeah, I would say. If my fear rankings are Ahmed 1.5, Josh Bell 0. Yeah. yeah, no. It's the one week. It's one week. We're good, guys. Anything, everything that's bad that's happening will end. And everything that's good that's happening is going to keep going. No smooth sailing. But uh, so that's pretty much it for us. I was going to do the like the next up what we have coming up here uh they're they have a six game series at home obviously three and three against seattle three against new york um this will be it for seattle after this these two weeks uh with the balance schedule they will not see seattle until maybe the playoffs Sweet. if they see them there get which is nice it's happy to get them out and get get them in and get them out yeah. you know yeah. and uh the way that it works out you uh, Cleveland is not going to be facing uh, Luis Castillo. They will be facing Logan Gilbert, Marco Gonzalez, and George Kirby, who we did not see the first time through. Um, but yeah, you would Robbie Ray is on the on the IL. He left the game, uh, went right on the IL right after the the game in Cleveland or against Cleveland rather. But um, yeah, so we, uh, Cleveland will have Aaron Savale go tomorrow. At four, uh, Cal Quantrill will go on Saturday, and Zach Plezak is the scheduled starter for Sunday against Seattle. Um, Looking forward to it. It'll be interesting to see what the lineup is for. Is Gilbert a lefty, too? Just Gonzalez, right? Um, I don't know. I don't, I, usually I have like a feel for guys, whether or not they're a lefty or righty. He's a righty. Yeah, you're right. Okay. It was Ray. Yeah, it was Ray, Ray Gonzalez. Is a lefty. Um, but yeah, it'll be, in, I'll be interested in looking at the lineup for the Marco Gonzalez start, um, just to see, because the team had such struggles with left-handers last year. And that seemed to be what the problem was with Oakland. They threw two lefties at us. Um, us, I hate when people do that and I did it myself, but it's fine. At the guards. Um, the guards. The guardos. And I'm also interested in what, and I do want to see uh, George Kirby this year. 
Um, he is a, a fan of his. Have him on a couple of fantasy teams since I have so many. Yeah, um, you have every have, player on your fantasy teams, but I I don't. I actually purposely this year. I think I I not necessarily went out of my way, but this year more than most, I tried keeping it to like a core player level, and like I have this guy on a lot of teams. So yeah, seems like good strategy. Yeah. Anyway. Just so I'm not having to root against myself. Yeah, no. Although you could always do the uh now that betting is legal in Ohio, you can always do the like uh comfort the the the, the security bets where you bet against your guys so that you win money if you lose. Oh yeah. I do that. Yeah, for do sure. That. There's there's the hedges. There's, there's the, the hedge, hedge, the emotional hedge, exactly. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, we lost, but you know what? I made some money exactly. off Exactly. So. Made some money off my sadness. Right. I will cry myself to sleep on my bed of dollar bills. There you go. Um, but that, uh, yeah, so that's it. Uh, short, short one this week because we, uh, only had two of us and, um, there's a, there's, know, a, there's a hard time to talk about baseball without just saying it small is, sample, small sample, small sample. Right. That's or, what I was going to say. You, we can't, we can't make hard decisions, hard opinions on things because it's been a week. Yeah. We're just excited to have baseball. Exactly. The, the other, Today's the other option is just to talk about plays more. We can just, oh man, remember that play where Jose Ramirez took the base right. on the ground? Because then it turns into the Chris Farley show. And it's just like, that was awesome. Hey, man. That was awesome when he did that, right? Yeah. Yeah, that's yeah. what this would turn into. So it's a tough time to right. tough time to talk about baseball in a weird way. Uh, just enjoy yeah. it. Just sit back and enjoy it, guys. Absolutely. So, all right. For Dr. Mitch, for myself, we are signing off from the corner cast. And again, as always, Be safe, be loved, take care. The Korean War has sadly been known as the Forgotten War, but half a century earlier, the United States was locked in a bloody conflict in Asia that's been all but erased from the history books. Hi, I'm Alex Hasty, the host of Ohio vs. the World, an American history podcast on the Evergreen Podcast Network. In our newest episode, we speak to experts about the Philippine-American War, America's first Asian counterinsurgency conflict. The heroes, the villains... We'll discuss President McKinley, Admiral Dewey, the vicious brutality of the fighting, and the scandals and war crimes that nearly sunk Theodore Roosevelt's presidency. Check out our show, Ohio vs. the World, on the Evergreen Podcast Network for our new episode about America's most forgotten war. Now back to the show.